Hey everybody, you are listening to another episode of Sext and the City. On this episode, we talk about episode 3 of season 1 for Sex and the City, where Carrie wonders why couples treat singles so strange. Do they fear them? Do they just want them figured out? I'm so excited to interview Jen Glantz for this episode, who, if you don't already know, is the bridesmaid for hire. And that's right, she has built her entire career dealing with couples and their single friends that all have to sit at that infamous wedding singles table that we do talk about later in the episode. So tune on in now to hear us talk about how friendships change when a relationship status does, why 2019 is the year where women support women, and why you should say yes without looking at their dating profile. Today we are recording with Jen Glantz, who is the bridesmaid for hire, and I thought she was absolutely perfect for this episode because the question Carrie asks is, why do couples treat singles so strange? Is it fear of the unknown, and do they just want them figured out? So Jen, to kick this off, can you tell us what perspective you're coming at this from? If it's kind of a Miranda or Carrie or a Charlotte or a Samantha, who do you kind of think of yourself as? Oh my goodness. I love this episode. I love this question. I would have to say that I'm in Carrie's position in the sense that like, I get it, but I don't get it. I remember being single for much of my 20s and my my friends who were in relationships would look at me and be like... I felt like they would just look at me different. I also felt, and this is so true, I felt like they would have conversations and like be whispering about couple things that they didn't want me to hear. And I noticed a lot of that too, where it was like, oh, Jen can't be in this conversation because she's single. And it was stuff like that where I was like, there is a bit of a divide between people in your life who are in relationships and also who are single. I definitely think there's a pity aspect, too. Sometimes I've been invited to stuff, and I feel like it's, oh, well, she might not have anything else to do because she's single, so I guess I'll invite her. Right, and, like, I get that completely because I've been there, but then now that I'm in a relationship, I feel like I have to be so conscious of what I say and how I treat my single friends because I don't want them to feel like I felt. But saying that, it's also awkward because I don't also always know what to say or how to say it. Like I want to ask my friends who are dating, like how it's going without sounding like, you know, I'm putting a deadline on them or I'm concerned about them. So I think from the reverse side, I sort of get why people are like that because there people are awkward and I don't think anyone truly knows what to do or say yeah and I think it can kind of be the reversal too like maybe for the single people they treat the couples different when they start dating and they kind of are like well she's never around anymore so why should we even invite her you know she's in the honeymoon phase and just doing her own thing so I think that there's kind of stereotypes for both sides of this totally and I don't know if you've ever felt this but like I remember in my 20s when people, my friends started coupling off and and dating someone seriously. I was so happy for them. But then a part of me was like, oh, no, I just lost like a really good friend. And there's almost like a little bit of like grief that you feel because 
obviously your relationship with that person shifts a little bit. So I think from the single side, you look at it like, oh, you know, I don't feel like I can call that person as much or invite that person out places anymore. And you sort of like, I don't know if you feel this too, but like, I feel like some of those friendships, I was like, oh, I lost like a little bit of hope for the friendship because of them getting into a serious relationship. Absolutely. I mean, it definitely, it, it is like a, a miniature death in a way, just because um, you lose the time that you had together. And especially people with your, if you're really close together. Um, I know I was living with a girl and she met her fiance during the time that we were living together. And at the time it was just her boyfriend, but it was still, it went from us hanging out and going out and getting drinks to I pass her sometimes when she's getting ready for work and running out the door. Mm. Your relationship changes, you know, like, and I think that that's sort of a tough part of the single versus couple is that both people are approaching the situation with this like awkward glaze over them. And it's just, it's, it's hard. I think it's really, really hard both ways. Yeah. So do you think, um, so in this episode, Carrie is um, kind of third wheeling it with a couple friend in the Hamptons and she accidentally runs into the husband naked and um, she mentions it to the wife as like a funny haha awkward moment I had this morning with your husband and the wife is livid and kicks Carrie out. Do you think that was an overreactment or do you think she was just threatened by Carrie and maybe she kind of blamed Carrie for it happening? I definitely think so. I mean, I think like people overreact to things when they've had past trauma happen. So then they just bring that with them. Like, obviously, had Carrie had great intentions. She was being funny. Like she thought it would mean nothing. But this woman probably walked into the situation having been maybe burned in the past in some kind of way and just approached it like, oh, no, I have to put my guard up here and and not know the truth and think something could be up and stir up a little bit of a problem. So, you know, I don't I don't necessarily think the way it was handled was good, but I get it. Like there's been some times where I've been in situations where I've handled myself wrong. And the best explanation as to why is simply because I'm bringing in the results of past situations, which is not right to do, but we all do it. It totally happens. We definitely do. But sometimes it kind of makes me wonder, almost in this situation, I know it can be kind of reverse sometimes, but why does it always fall to the other woman if you're having trust issues with your husband and you think this has been a problem in the past with him why don't you kind of blame it more on him versus your one of your girlfriends oh for sure and I think you know and I've done this in relationships that women first take all the blame they take the blame they take the fault and then slowly as they work through that process they're like wait there's very little that I did wrong. There's a lot that my partner did wrong. And I've been in so many relationships where looking back, I'm like, how in the world did I let that person get away with all of that and blame myself? But in the moment, you know, as a female who is caring and always looking out for people, we tend to be very protective of those that we love. And we think, oh, they're perfect. Like, I remember I dated some people in my 20s and my friends would be like, Jen, this person is no good. Like, hello, how do you not see this? But to me, those were not red flags. Those were just like, oh, you know, that's not the biggest deal. So I don't know. I really think that sometimes when we're so into somebody, whether it's for the right reasons or not, we become so protective. And that is so dangerous in a relationship. It is. It's, it especially shows when you're kind of ignoring those red flags and just being 
blind to things. Like you can't hide people from the world. And if there's a problem at the root of the relationship, that's not going to change by you trying to drive every other female away from them whatsoever. Oh, no, totally. And I think it it slowly starts to eat up with you in terms of like you feel lonely because your friends start to not want to be around you because of this person and they've tried to tell you and you don't listen. And I think, you know, you really can never tell somebody that their partner is not good for them. Like you, you can say it to them, but they're not going to believe you. They're not going to care about what you have to say. They have to feel it themselves. And I think that's something so interesting with female friendships is that a lot of friendships get ruffled when relationships happen. But then when those relationships end, the person who is out of the relationship is sort of not crawling back to the friend, but being like, Hey, you're right. And And I didn't see that and I couldn't see that. So I think there is sort of an interesting dynamic between the person in the relationship versus the friend who can't always see the wrong happening in the moment. Exactly. Um, And especially for this one, she run, Carrie runs into the couple a month later at a party when she's dating someone and they're so nice and welcoming and friendly to her because oh, now she's safe, she's coupled up, she's not going to try to steal my man away, and it's completely different. And I think that goes, like, I think that happens a lot. Like, I think, unfortunately, a lot of females are threatened by females, especially when they're single. Like, oh, but then it's like, you really think that, like, every guy is attracted to every female, and every female is attracted to every guy, or in same-sex situations, the same thing. Like, you know, we, I feel like sometimes we get so threatened by people who are single thinking they're going to like come on over and ruin our relationship, but that doesn't really always happen. And, you know, I really think that especially in 2019, females need to do a better job of supporting other females rather than feeling so threatened by them. And a lot of that means to drop the relationship status and just simply look at how you're treating the person in front of you, what you've created in your head versus what is real and think about how you can be more supporting of them and less sort of judgy or pushing them away and threatened by them. I love that, just looking at them as the person and how you can support them. I think there definitely needs to be more of that. You can't force people to see things a certain way or um, any red flags that are happening and just kind of any aspect of the life, but you can just be there and listen and um, help them through when they need it because eventually, hopefully, they realize it. Totally, And, and I think, you know, As females, now more than ever, we need to be supportive of each other and we need to take our guards down and be more vulnerable and be more honest and and treat each other with the kindest of hearts because I think for many years we were told by society that we need to be competitive with each other and pin each other against each other in the sense of like we both can't win, one of us can and that's so untrue, you know, and I think that as we get older, if we keep that mentality, when it comes to friendships, we find ourselves very lonely. And, you know, I'm in my 30s now. And I think that one of the biggest challenges has been making new girlfriends as I've gotten older, because a lot of times people get very closed off, they maybe they get into a relationship, they don't think they need girlfriends, or, you know, just like they've been burned in the past. But I do think that the art of making great female friendships is something that I know I'm working to put on my to-do list, but a lot of people should really focus on that in their life, whether or not they are single or they're in a relationship. And especially, I think it's very hard for you because you move around so much, you know, every 30 days you're in a new place. So it, you kind of need some kind of stability and support outside of your relationship because you're traveling with your boyfriend and you know, you know, you need that balance. And so I think 
putting that as a priority is definitely important when you're spending all that time with one person. Totally. And I've had to, I've had to really learn this. I, I was single for most of my twenties. I'm used to being that girl who like dates a little bit, but nothing serious, nothing for more than a couple months. And, and there I found myself in a relationship year after year with the same person. And I found that I was really losing a big part of my identity and my time with my friends. And yeah, I, I, I live a very weird life. As you mentioned, I, I live in a new city every couple of months. I don't have a home. I travel out of a suitcase. So I, I, all my friends are really in New York and here I am in new cities without really a close group of friends. So I've really had to make it a point to put myself out there and make friends. And interestingly enough, last year I was living in LA and it was like my second day living here. I went to a workout class and I met a woman in the class who has since become like a best friend of mine. And it's just so weird because I had put out in the, to the universe, like I really want to have great female friendships, but it took me getting off the couch and going out and going to a workout class. And also when I was there being open to talking to people there to make this awesome, awesome friend. So you truly can make friends anywhere. I think you need to be open to it. And for a while I was very closed off from it for some reason. So I do make an effort now when I'm out places and not out at bars. I go to sleep by like eight o'clock. That's not my life. You know, I mean like going to the grocery store or going for a walk or just like any normal like coffee shops. I go to coffee shops all the time to do work and I make more of an effort to like look around and then talk to the people next to me and have no agenda except who are you? Let's not be strangers. And you never know, like you might meet the most life changing friend just by doing that. Yeah, you really have to. I think people are scared to talk to people and put themselves out there. But I do think people are more willing to talk back and communicate than most people think. Totally. I mean, I think we also are so scared of rejection. So I think a lot of it is like, I'm scared to compliment this woman and tell her her coat is wonderful. Or I'm scared to be like, hey, what are you reading? Because that might be weird, but it's not. Like everyone's thinking it. Everyone wants to start up the conversation with you, but everyone feels like they're going to get rejected. And that's another thing I've been really bad at, but I've been trying to do is compliment more people. I walk by so many people and I think the nicest things about them, but I don't say it because I'm just scared. And I know that like, it's so easy to just make someone's day by giving them a genuine compliment. And that's like one thing I want to become better at is just walking by a person or being at lunch with a person and being like, hey, this is so awesome about you. Because why, why hold it inside? Like, I feel like it's such a waste for me to walk by and not tell somebody that their dress is so awesome or their lipstick color is so great, you know? It's so true. No one is ever going to get mad when you give them a compliment like that. If anything, it kind of puts an extra little pep in their step for the day Um, because they probably maybe did take that extra time to get ready and they're glad that someone noticed and it just feels good to pass that on. Oh, totally. I mean, we all know how we feel when someone compliments us, especially when we're not feeling it ourselves, like when we're feeling down and someone says like, oh my God, like, you know, your toenail color is awesome. Like something as little as that, I'm just feeling like the giddiest person in the world. So it's just, it's so uplifting. Yeah. So as the bridesmaid for hire, how many weddings have you done? So I've worked over a hundred weddings in the past year, in the past four and a half years, sorry, four and a half years. And um, so people really do hire me as their bridesmaid. I show up at their wedding. I put on the bridesmaid dress. I walk down the aisle. I give a speech and then I leave and never talk to them again. And I know that sounds crazy, but 
that's sort of been my life for the past four and a half years. I've worked over a hundred of these. I have a new name, new identity when I go to these weddings. And it's been really interesting. I mean, I've seen a lot of crazy things on the job, but it's been mostly pretty fun. I think that would be freeing also where you get to be someone else for a day. It is. Like there is a part of it where that's sort of what I also really love is like, I'm not Jen Glanz. I'm Jen Smith, Jen Cohen, Jen something else. And there is something nice about leaving yourself behind and being somebody who then at midnight you can run away from. Um, and, you know, especially when I was single, not like I was flirting with guys or anything, but there was sort of this aspect of like, you can talk to me all you want, but that's not really who I am, you know? And there was something really bizarre, but also cool about living a double life like that. Yeah, I imagine so. So I'm dying to know, actually, are singles tables a thing at weddings where people put all their single friends in one place and hope people connect and kind of spark something from the wedding? Not only is it a thing, but it was practically like a permanent place that I lived in for most of my 20s. Yes, they do. They put all their awkward single friends in one place. And why I say awkward is because like I want to sit with my friends at the wedding even though they have a significant other and I don't. I don't want to sit with your third cousin and then your random friend from college and all this stuff like don't play matchmaker. And that used to make me so upset is that I'd be stuck at this table of strangers when all of my friends and their boyfriends and husbands would be at another table. And that was like the biggest problem that I had at my friend's weddings was that I just felt like, why am I even here? Because you don't spend a lot of time at your table, but you also do, you know? So it's like, that singles table thing was just the bane of my existence. And I just, I just like, dreaded going to the wedding and finding my table card and being like, Oh, table three, anybody else here? No, you know, like it just was so upsetting. Yeah. If anything, I feel like it would create resentment and no one's going to be in the mood to kind of flirt and hit on people and singles attract when they're that mad that they've been placed at the table away from everyone else. Oh my God. I mean, they're not even at the table. Like you put people at a random table, they sneak a chair up to the table with their friends. And like, I get the intention. You want me to meet somebody, but I can do that on my own. Like if I see somebody who's attractive and single at a wedding, I don't need to be at a table with them to talk to them. Like, you know, like I'm, we're adults. So I think it's sort of pointless. Like I know that I would have had a lot more fun at these weddings if I was included in tables with my friends. And I think it goes off to the whole point of like throwing the bouquet at weddings. Like that's also terrible to do when you're for single people. Like we all the single female have to get on the dance floor and be stared at as the bouquet is flying in their face. Like, why are we doing that? It's 2019. Like you should instead just bring out all everybody, all your guests and do something fun with them. But like, I hated also being like one or two single people on the dance floor being stared at. Yeah, you know, it's awkward when they play all the single ladies comes oh. on and you're looking for somewhere to hide so you don't have to go out there. Oh my god, I would like try to time out my bathroom runs for that. Like I'd be like, oh, I think the DJ's getting close and I would like run to the bathroom because like if not, your your friends are like, Jen's single, like Jen, you know, and I'm like, oh there, my go god. Catch it. Yeah, I'm like, oh, just, just leave me alone. I was at one wedding, and it was the greatest thing ever because they threw the bouquet, and pretty much every single girl just kind of stepped to the side, and it landed on the floor, and no one wanted to pick it up. That's hilarious. <laughs> 
I mean, like, that's actually hilarious because it's just like, why are we're all like just boycotting the dumbness of this? Like, it makes absolutely no sense, you know? Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm not really ready for that. So, so I'm gonna let someone else do it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's gonna be my new move. If I have to go to a wedding again and be single on the dance floor, I'm just not, I'm just gonna stand there and let it hit me and just not do anything. <laughs> So um, one of the other questions that kind of gets brought up in this episode that I do love is, um, are couples living vicariously through singles? And is that why, despite how they kind of um, judge them and treat them a little differently, they want the single people around because they don't have that life anymore. And the single friends are supposed to have the wild, crazy nights and juicy stories to dish on. I don't know. Like, I remember when I was single, I I would look at my, like, friends who are, in, like, married and couples and all of that, and they would often be like, oh, my God, tell me your dating horror stories. And and I was like, this is annoying, you know? Like, I felt like they were definitely using me as, like, that entertainment and that prop or, like, show me what Tinder looks like, you know? But I think, like, now that I'm in the relationship, I don't because I, I, I feel like some of my, um, you know, like, I think that there's no difference between me and my single friends. Like, you know, I think that we still hang out. We still do things together. And I don't look at them to be like, what's dating like? Because it's just like, we're good enough friends where I know the problems that you're having. I know the good, the bad, and the ugly and all of that. So I think that I try to go about it in a way where I don't make people feel uncomfortable about that. But I do remember being single where people sort of treated me like I was that, like, oh, my God, let's ask her everything and turn to it. And I think it was just because, yeah, they got married in their early 20s. They never had to do online dating. So it was fascinating to them what's going on in my phone. But to me, it was like, this is a job. This is almost like a job to have to online date, you know? So. I think they do it because, like, they've never experienced it, so it's so foreign to them, and because of that, it's, like, interesting, you know? Yeah. But in reality, when you're living it, it's it's just not that interesting. Um, no. I don't go and out that, that much. Thing. Wait, <laughs> I would be like, there's nothing interesting. I went out for coffee. It didn't work. Like, there's no drama here. Like, maybe once in a couple of months, I'd have some drama, but, like... I felt also like I was not living up to their standards or there's some months where you're like, I don't want to date. And then that would be like, why, what's wrong? Why don't you want to date? You know? So it's like, I felt definitely when I was single, like I was under that bright light of just being examined by everyone. And I think kind of when people are asking you probing questions, they're like, it wasn't interesting. What do you mean you've been on 10 dates and you haven't met anybody? You don't have any better stories than this. It almost makes you feel bad. Like you're doing it wrong and you question yourself and it's just, no, we're just not a match for a lot of people. Right. But then it's like, well, why, Sam? Are you judging this again? Like, you can't judge this again. And I'm like, whoa. You know, like, I don't, I didn't hire a dating coach here. I'm just talking to a friend, you know? And I hated that. It was like, I felt like sometimes we'd leave the conversation and they'd write me off as picky or they'd write me off as all of these things when, like, really, it's just like, I don't have to have a reason why I didn't connect with that person, you know? Yeah. The majority of people you're just not going to connect with. And one of my favorite stories from your book um, is actually when you always ask the brides how they met and one responded that she gamified dating and it was about quantity over quality or it was yeah. something about quantity and just oh, yeah. going on as many dates as you can because that's how you're going to eventually connect with people. That's a story that changed my life because that's how I met my current boyfriend. I was working with this bride, Danny, 
And on our first meeting, she opened a spreadsheet on her computer and she's like, this is what I did. I went on four dates a day. I would create a spreadsheet. I would write down information about each guy and it was a numbers game. And I was like, whoa, I go on like four dates a year. Like what the heck? So very long story short, I was like, I'm going to try this. And I didn't make a spreadsheet, but I did go on 14 dates in a month and I met nobody I liked. Everyone was horrible. I went to delete my app and I get a message from a guy who's like, hey, let's just meet for coffee. So I go, that was date number 15 and that's my boyfriend of three years. And I owe it all to that conversation with Danny because she got me in the zone of like, go, 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 which was helpful for me at the time. I wasn't looking for a relationship at the time. I was looking to get over somebody. So that was sort of what worked well for me. But it's true. Like it is a little bit of a numbers game. And I had to go on 14 incredibly painful dates to meet date number 15, which happened to be like the greatest person in the world for me. And you're still together and now living in a new city every 30 days. Yeah, we're going to celebrate our three-year anniversary in March. Um, feels like 30 years, I think he would say. But um, yeah, you know, like we we connected from the first date after being on 14 dates in a month you're sort of jaded and date 15 happened. He walked into the room. We instantly connected. He treated me with such respect, but the best part was when the date ended, he said to me, I really had a lot of fun and I would love to take you out for pizza this week. And if you know me and you know me, Sam, like pizza's yeah. my life. So that was like a huge thing. Cause there wasn't a game. It wasn't like, Oh, I can't ask you out for three days. You know, like he ended it with like, this was great. I'd love to take you out for pizza. And there was no games with him. And I really appreciated that. Um, and, you know, I, of course, tried to play every game in the book with him. And he'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, so he's great because he calls me out on my bullshit, which I think um, even three years later, I respect gratefully from him. So we're, we're a pretty good match in some areas like that. I love that. And I love the story is just kind of you know, even if you don't want to put yourself out there one more time and, you know, maybe it's the right time. Oh, for sure. Like I didn't even look at his profile. I was literally clicking delete on the dating app. I'm not joking. And one message popped up and was like, Hey, we're expiring in four hours. I didn't get a chance to talk to you, but like, can I take you out? I didn't even look at his profile. So I didn't even know what he looked like. Many months after dating, he did show me his profile and I was like, Oh, actually I would have never, um, responded to you. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, I didn't like his pictures. They didn't represent who he really was. His bio was like, I like LaCroix. And it was so basic. And he's not like that either. So like, you know, I also I told him, like, I don't think I would have like really been eager to meet you from your profile. So that was one thing that this experiment taught me that a lot of the guys I was not attracted to on the app, I really liked in person. And the guys that I was so excited to meet from the app in person usually sucked. So, like, I'm grateful that I didn't spend too much time judging him on the app because I think I would have walked into the date super negative. But I just sat at the coffee shop and whoever walked in and recognized me was him, you know, and that's how I knew it was him. So that was also really cool of sort of like, I don't really know what he looks like and I don't know who he is, but I agreed to just meet him and it worked. I love that. There's there's supposed to be an app now, Bounce, where you don't really see a profile on them or get to talk to them before. You just kind of are supposed to meet. And I think that's awesome because it takes away kind of when people overanalyze all the pictures and what they said. And it's just go meet, see if you connect, and kind of takes it a little back more old school. 
And don't care. Like that was the other thing. I was I would look at a guy online who I thought was so attractive and then I would get ready for the date. I would walk over and I'd be like, Oh man, this person's so attractive. I'm not. They're not gonna like me. And then that that's how I showed up and that was my body language and that was my confidence and that was not good. And then when I did this experiment and I sort of stopped caring about who I was gonna meet, I came in there with such a fresh perspective of like, I'm gonna bring the best version of myself regardless of who you are. And that changed a lot because I would be so nervous before dates when I knew what the guy was all about. You know, it's just like a mental game. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the dates I had the most fun on was I walked in and he did not look like his pictures. But then it just kind of put me in the mindset as to, well, I don't care. Let's see what let's see what he's like. And I just kind of was open minded and we had a great time together. Um, I don't recommend you don't look like your pictures. Um, oh yeah you should definitely look at your pictures because I was obviously not following up since you did that but um when you go in with the right mindset you're like let's just see what happens it's a lot more fun for sure and dating everyone says dating sucks it does it truly does but I think like have fun with it you know you don't have to gamify it like I did like Danny did but I just think like try to have a little bit more fun without putting so much pressure on it. Like just go out, have a conversation, set a time limit to it and then call it a night. And if it sucks really bad, just know that like eventually you will find somebody who sucks a whole lot less, you know, like I'm a true testament of that because I have lived most of my twenties with guys that sucked (laughs) and, you know, met somebody who didn't eventually, but it is definitely a hard, ugly process. Oh my gosh, I love that. I think that's the perfect note to kind of wrap up on for all of the singles out there who feel like they're being um, treated a little different is to just have fun with it and things fall into place when you least expect it. Love it. Thank you so much for talking with me talking with me for this episode. I had a great time. Sam, you are amazing. This show is amazing. And thank you for reliving some of the best moments of Sex in the City. 